Welcome to BFC Live, the daily video and podcast series of Business of Cannabis. BFC Live highlights the company's brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis sector. Learn more at businessofcannabis.com. Our BOC Live guest today is Colin Bambury. He is the head of marketing for THC, a cannabis retailer in Vancouver. Colin's also a well-known figure in the Canadian cannabis space and a listened-to voice because he has first-hand experience of what consumers in the heart of Canadian cannabis culture are saying in real time in Vancouver. So enjoy. Colin Bambury. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, man. Well, it, it's like uh, it's like having a celebrity on. That's a, that's a big comment, man. Thank you. I, I don't think I don't think of myself that way, but I appreciate. Well, that, it's funny, and we'll get into sort of who you are, what you do, even though everybody that watches this will know. But there was one time uh, you may not remember this. I think you were working at the time for Supreme, and I was at a bank at uh, Ossington and Dundas at the um, TD, and you were there, and I was like. Oh my God, that's Colin. Should I say hello? And I didn't even say hello. That's the only time that I would have said hello. Then we all went sort of our separate ways, but um, then you moved out to Vancouver. But uh, that was my star sighting. And I told people I saw you as if I was a child. So, well, that's um, hilarious. I mean, maybe we'll get into this with, with the story, but Alzington and Dundas is a very important intersection um, for, my, for my story in cannabis. So, that's, well, uh, that's tell us then. For sure. So, actually, yeah, my first ever. So, the way that I got into the cannabis industry, I was living downtown Toronto. Um, I was attending college at the time, George Brown College, going to school for marketing. Um, and quite, quite honest, I was really bored with some of the courses. Like during my accounting class and everything, I was, I was getting super bored. Uh, I started either cutting class or just stopped paying attention during the class and started walking around downtown Toronto and exploring. Um, I am from the suburbs. I grew up in Etobicoke and Oakville, so I never really explored the downtown core. Just started walking around and noticing all of these cannabis stores everywhere. Um, this was in 2016, uh, very early 2016, uh, or maybe, yeah, yeah, around uh, late 2015, early 2016. Um, I, I started to notice all these uh, cannabis stores at the time, I, I really was very ignorant to the to the legality of them. I really thought that they were allowed. I'm like, look, they have brick and mortar stores. They must be allowed to be here. Um, and there was a, a lot of them in Toronto at the time. I think there was more than more star more cannabis stores than Starbucks locations at the time. Um, so anyways, I started uh, walking into these locations. I was just freshly turned 19, maybe 20 years old. So I was just barely legal enough to get into them, uh, most of them at least. And uh, I started kind of exploring the world of dispensaries in Toronto, um, buying cannabis from those from those dispensaries. Um, still at the time, I, I did think it was regulated. Me and my partner, uh, which is my uh, my roommate, uh, my, 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 my business partner, um, we decided that it would be a good idea to create edibles. Um, so while we were going to all these different dispensaries, I really noticed that all the edible selection was like just candy, chocolate, uh, sugar laden stuff. Um, and my my roommate at the time, who was like one of my childhood friends who was also going to college in downtown Toronto, um, he was a chef. So he's going to school for, to become a chef um, at George Brown, which has a good program for that. And yeah, we thought it was just a, a, a really good idea to make healthy edibles since everything else was sugar laden. Um, I, at the time, these cannabis stores were medical cannabis stores that were being marketed towards uh, patients. And, and really, I, I thought it made no sense that they were being fed sugar and candy and these kind of things. And we thought it would be cool to create a company called Power Plant. Uh, we created these protein bars that were uh, infused with uh, cannabis oil. And they, they uh, were super healthy, like they had hemp protein in them, which I still think is a really cool idea, having a hemp protein bar with cannabis uh, in it as well, just the whole plant kind of benefits. Uh, we sold them at a few different dispensaries in downtown Toronto. So at the time, I, I really got to meet a few. 
the second store that that we were introduced to that that uh, we sold our products at was called Ossington Dispensary, which was at Dundas and Ossington. Uh, I actually ended up working at that dispensary after I was selling the protein bars there. So Dundas and Ossington, that little area is yeah where my whole career started. Uh, another crazy thing, uh, I might. I don't want to jump forward too much, but basically I'll, I'll jump forward and jump back really quick. But um, the, the cannabis store was located right there at Dundas and Ossington. And right behind it was this old abandoned bread factory at the time. Um, I used to go walking around there and smoking joints during my break. Uh, and that old abandoned bread factory actually ended up being the Supreme Cannabis Company's head office uh, three or four years later uh, when I ended up working there. So that was, yeah, that was world, a weird. The man. world moves fast, but even it, it does because... Uh, because now, you know, even fast forward, like Supreme's office was there before the legal cannabis stores moved in. And now that that area, I was just at Bodega, but there's about to be a Superette. There's the flower pot. In the olden days, there was the 1066, whatever it was, right? Like, yep. Um, yep, yep. like it was a, it's an important it, place. And there's another, there's a bunch more, right? Well, there's a Dutch love. There's a bunch that are there now, which is interesting because, I mean, you are so young, but the but the, the, the pace of it has moved so fast. You know, think, we think of things moving so slowly, but you think about how fast it was. I mean, you know, you were in, in college and, you know, sort of understanding what was happening and it was still very unclear. And now it is crystal clear. And now, you know, you've worked at a number of companies, you worked in LP, now you're out of THC in Vancouver. Um, talk a little bit about that because um, my sense from watching sort of your career, watching sort of your post, like your connection to what consumers are asking for, certainly in Vancouver, is maybe unmatched to anybody else who's sort of, a, a lot of people have that experience, but very few people I think actually talk about it on a regular basis. Talk a little about that. So what you learned from the sort of hands-on experience. 100%. So yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been like fortunate enough to connect uh, directly with cannabis consumers for a long time. I was working at the dispensary for a long time. Then I was working at Weed Maps, which is an online directory for cannabis mm -hmm. uh, stores. I got to travel all across Canada, meeting people at trade shows, going into the different stores, talking to both uh, the retail partners and also just the consumers shopping at those stores. Uh, and then, I, and then, yeah, I did work at Supreme Cannabis Company as well. So I, I really do uh, think that I have kind of a unique um you know, perspective coming from a technology company, a dispensary, now a legal dispensary and a, a licensed producer. I kind of seen the, the industry on all different angles. Um, and yeah, man, I, I, the, the part that I've enjoyed the most and I think got the most value from is interacting with those cannabis customers on a daily basis, is being in the store um, and getting those retail level insights. Uh, it's been, you know, it's kind of confirmed a lot of the things that we were thinking in, in the boardrooms or kind of like ideating on uh, on a heady level. It really confirms those things uh, and it really uh, kind of breaks a lot of those ideas too and, uh, and helps you learn a lot of new things about people as well. Um, working in Vancouver specifically is super interesting too. Obviously the cannabis market here is like very mature, very advanced, the type of customers that we have coming into THC specifically uh, since THC is a legacy store that started in 2016 and transitioned over to the legal market in uh, 2020. Um, uh, a lot of the customers that we have coming in our store is very advanced. Like they, a lot of them, to be completely honest, know more ab about cannabis than I do and, and are teaching me things. Um, or they're, they're looking for advanced product formats that maybe we don't have yet um, and those kind of things. So really listening to our, to our customers, especially here in Vancouver, has been like very insightful. And uh, yeah, I've been really trying to share kind of, kind of those insights and what people are looking for um, on my Twitter and social media accounts and stuff like that. Uh, I do think it's important to, to try to help them make the industry better is just, you know, whatever I learn on the retail level, just trying to share that with the with the companies, the LPs and those kind of people. Yeah, it's interesting, because um, you think about even how it rolled out. And I mean, I guess, 
like from especially your experienced consumers that are coming into THC versus where the industry is, used to be really far, used to be like different neighbors, like totally different worlds. I wonder if those worlds are getting closer and closer together um, as we see more, more flower offerings, uh, certainly, but also more concentrates, more edibles, more ribbons. Like, are we getting closer? I mean, that's sort of one question. And the other question is, they will never be one in the same. Like we even see in Colorado, the most mature markets, there will always be this other, um, other consumer, other place to get it. Like, but are they getting closer together? I guess that's my point. Or is, is your sense that they are getting closer together? Yeah, I agree. And yeah, 100% they are. Um, the way that I've, I, I've always promoted, the way that you're always going to get that unregulated consumer to come to the regulated market, is just by regulating their unregulated dealer. They, they like their dealer. They like the stuff they're getting. If we can transition those, those dealers, those growers, um, those legacy market growers to the legal market, those customers will follow. And we're seeing that happen right now. A lot of the small batch craft micro guys uh, that are coming into the legal market right now did grow in the traditional market before um, and are bringing a lot of their customers with them. When when the customers find out that, oh, it's that cut of gelato or it's that cut of whatever, oh, I smoked that before, um, they're coming in and they're lining up for the product. So it is really starting to merge. I think there's a huge um, opportunity specifically with concentrates. Um, the flower market is starting to, to slowly catch up, but the concentrates market, there's, a, there's still very few, very high quality options. So there's a huge uh, you know, white space there, along with obviously edibles and those kind of things that are still regulated and 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 capped by the government. Um, once those things kind of change, there there's still a huge white space there as well. Can I ask you a question those. because because looking at sort of consumer insights with our partners at Headset and other places, like especially in BC, actually, uh, the edibles market is super underserved by the regulated market. And I guess the question is, is it? Is it variety, is it quality, or is it just quantity? Like you just can't buy enough at once at the price point that people who actually enjoy edibles regularly, like you just have to buy too much and you can't even buy yeah. the amount you want. Yeah, no, 100%. It's the, it's the potency. I mean, it is the potency regulations. If a lot of people come in and they go, oh, 10 milligrams per package, they like totally write it off. They'll, sometimes I can convince them on a capsule or an oil or something like that, that obviously isn't uh, like regulated the same way. Um, but yeah, man, once those potency limits change, we can start bringing the consumer in. Another thing is we do have a lot of consumers coming in asking for unregulated edible brands by name. Um, they are familiar with certain formats and those kind of things. There's a very uh, popular brand here that has like Lego brick format, which obviously would never be allowed in, uh, in the Health Canada regulations because it appeals to children and those kind of things. But we do have people coming in specifically asking for the, that Lego block brand, uh, I would say like at least once a day. Um, so yeah, it's because it's easier to dose. To, 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 that's not the right term, but like to, to break off. For yeah. sure. And if we could bring that brand, if we could, you know, incentivize that brand to to want to come into the legal market, we could bring hundreds, thousands of customers into the legal market and bring those tax dollars and everything as well. Yeah. The other part is is, uh, and I wanted to sort of get your sense, and and you sort of touched on it, like people in some cases, especially sort of the legacy consumer, the legacy market, like they know they're growing right? Or they, they believe they, they feel like they do. And one thing that BC has been really slow on, frankly, is like allowing those people in, but also getting people to that growth, like thinking about farm gate retail and like, could we get those farms opened up so you can go visit the grower, just like you'd go visit the vineyard. And like, yeah. people want to see that. And I think there's this, it's nearly a demand that's difficult to even pinpoint when it doesn't happen because you can't prove a negative, like, negative. but I think people would right. want to go see that grower and go see that farm or go see that grow. 
I mean, anecdotally, I can tell you that I've, I've been fortunate enough to tour a couple of grows. And while I was working at Supreme, got to go check out the awesome facility at Seven Acres. And I can tell you just anecdotally, when I post it on my Instagram, I get tons of people hitting me up like, hey, can I come? Uh, you know, how do you do that? How do you get there? And all those kind of things. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely something people would be interested in. I think Farmgate is definitely has a lot of potential. Uh, some of the cooler, smaller producers here, like Dunn Cannabis, I got to tour them in Abbotsford the other uh, the other month. And they already have the their front set up for uh, for Farmgate retail, they're already ready. So I think there's a lot of people getting ready for it. And I think it's a big opportunity when it does yeah, happen. We, we talked to this brand in Santa Cruz, California called Three Bros Grow. And mm -hmm. they have they have a huge facility where they grow like their, their quantity and scale, but they also have a smaller grow in Santa Cruz and they have a grow room showroom. So imagine coming oh, cool. in like THC and you see behind glass where they're actually growing like that. That I think would be a huge draw. That's next level, man. That would be awesome. That's a dream. <laughs> well, it is. It is, but it's. I think it also takes almost like creative uh, rule following. I guess, like if you did it here, like nothing says you can't do it, but the security requirements, like like it would be tough. But you know, like that's the type of experience that I think people would, would bring people in, keep people in, and actually make it make it really lucrative for like a grower and a retailer to work together to like figure it out. And I know there's different rules in BC that prohibit some of that stuff, but those are silly rules too, frankly. Yeah, I mean, even on that, like we're, we're hoping there's been a lot of rumors that uh, BC is gonna start allowing retailers to start negotiating relationships directly with producers, which is like the number one thing that we want at THC because uh, the when we used to bring in these giant lineups back at THC back in the day when we were legacy, when they were legacy market, it was because of the brands that they carried us because you could only find those brands and products at THC. So once that's a reality again, uh, the benefit is that uh, THC is kind of a cool store and we know that a lot of these producers will want to make those exclusive relationships with us like let's say we're the only one that has uh, Dunn's uh, acai berry gelato like you know we're going to have lineups uh, for people looking for it because we're the only place that has it so we can't wait till that day comes yeah. well it's like aligning the retailer interest with the grower interest with the consumer interest <gasps> like it actually might some magic might, and, and you can replicate that a thousand times over in a thousand stores across the country and you know not the same growers not the same retailers but you could absolutely do that and i think i think sort of what we went back to before like i think the consumer what the consumer wants what the industry is providing what retailers want i think we're we're narrowing the gap between all those things which is an exciting time and i would encourage anybody to follow you on twitter uh because i think you'll learn a lot about what's happening on the ground but also especially on the ground in vancouver sort of which is sort of the ground zero of what um if if, if you're seeing it there and learning it there it is definitely going to be sort of spreading um and, and grabbing great insights colin i want to thank you for for uh for sharing everything that you do but also for being here and we'll push up on how people can follow you and find you and uh i can't imagine there's people that follow us that don't follow you but i'm hopeful to sort of get your get some people that follow you to follow us in that way so <laughs> I'm super flattered, man. I really do appreciate you having me on, man. I uh, would love to chat again in the future. And yeah. Well, this, next, time, next time I run, next time I see you at the bank, uh, Dundas and Oz and I will say hello. Um, Colin, th thanks for making time. I look forward to connecting with you down the road. You as well, man. Have a great day. You too. That was Colin Bambury, the head of marketing at THC, a cannabis retailer in Vancouver. If you like this program, please rate and review us wherever you heard the show. It helps support the work we do. Thank you for joining us on BOC Live today. We're able to do what we do thanks to our ongoing partners, including Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, Can Delta, Headset, Gallagher, and Torque and Maine.